that you're here to worship with us uh, this morning, like John mentioned. We are actually kicking off a new series today called Built to Last, and we're going to be talking about how do you build the right kinds of foundation in life and in the different areas of life where we have responsibility in a way that's actually going to last over the long haul. Like, how do we actually make our lives count for something? I don't know about you, but that's something that appeals to me. That's something that I want to grow in and learn more about. And I want my life to count for something. But I don't tend to always think long term in my life. In fact, oftentimes it's like, what am I doing right after the thing I'm doing now? And I tend to have a very kind of short term, short sighted view of my life and the going ons and all the different aspects of it. But what you find is there's times in life where we actually do slow down and we stop and we think like, where, where am I headed? And what do I need to be doing in this life that really does count for something? And I encourage you over the next few weeks to attend and to come back and to kind of look at some of the questions and some of the, the areas of life we're going to be looking at. Because our hope as a church is to come alongside people, to come alongside all of you and for us together to figure out how do we actually build on the right foundations in life. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. I'm excited about this. Just for my own life, I know it's going to be a challenge for me, and I hope uh, it's going to be a challenge uh, for you as well. Uh, th- this idea of, of building something that lasts uh, appeals to us. Uh, marketing and the way people try to sell stuff to us, they, they try to give us guarantees because we want something that's going to last. If you've ever shopped on Amazon, which is... One of the coolest things ever. You know, there's there's life before Amazon. There's life after Amazon, it seems like. Like all your shopping you can do. And what you do uh, before you buy something on Amazon, if you've never done it before, is you look at the ratings of things. And in the ratings, they kind of tell you, like, how good the product was. Did it live up to what it was supposed to say? And ultimately, they're trying to tell you, like, is it going to last? And the, the reason most things have, like, a one-star review or people that you – because you can't put, like, no stars – they put the one star, this is a zero star, you know, but you can't put zero. You have to put like one and it's always like it broke right, right when I got it. And so you don't tend to like buy those products. You're like, well, I don't want it to break. And so what you start seeing is as people try to sell us things, they, they come up with the guarantees. Here's some guarantees and some marketing. I found you, you have this ironclad lifetime guarantee. And just in case you missed it on the bottom, ironclad lifetime, it's just like, This isn't like held together by sticks. It's held together by iron and it will not break your lifetime guarantee. And like you're, you're thinking, well, even if it's a terrible product, I can buy it and I can get a new one. It's ironclad. Uh, when we buy vehicles, there's marketing like this built Ford tough, right? It it doesn't have the same ring. It's like built Ford average weak. So, so. Now, if you're a Chevy person, you're like, where's the Chevy? I'm not like, you know, endorsing products. You can buy whatever vehicle you want. Some may last longer than others. Okay. Built for tough. Um, there's also business books. This is actually built to last successful habits of visionary companies. This is actually a really helpful business book. But it's what separates a company that, that lasts, not just in the current generation, but how does it actually last despite all the changes in the economy, despite all the changes in consumers? How does it last over the long haul? And Jim Collins has done some kind of studies on what separates 
companies that last versus companies that don't. What do they do? What do they not do? Really helpful things. We're interested in this. We want things that last. And then it comes to just the reality of our own life. Be like, I am older and it doesn't seem like it's easy to get out of bed in the morning. Now, for you young folks, you don't even know what that is. But I'm starting to get to the time where it's like, is it going to rain? You know, like a little kind of feel it on your limbs, your joints. Is it going to rain? Like the weather changes, you feel it. I'm starting to feel this in my own life. But then you, you buy magazines like this. Longevity. Like you, you move from like vehicles to like, how do I make my life like last so I can get out of bed? And they have all sorts of things, headaches and migraines and their causes and all sorts of longevity. We're interested in this. And thousands and millions and I don't know the exact number, but so much money is spent on health. And not just like for this moment in our health, but how do we actually live to be people that have good health even in old age? So as you get older, the subscription to this, this starts to appeal to you. Because you, you want to figure out how to prolong your life. And so th- this is kind of ingrained in us. But what tends to happen, if we're not careful, is we can look at things like prolonging our life and trying to get products that last. But we actually have to face the reality that life itself is, is, is frail. And we are actually frail. We get older. We break down. And as good as we feel now, we don't know how long that's going to last. And so there's actually some good things to do in the moments that we realize, like, despite the guarantees, despite the things that we read, despite even our good habits related to our own health, life, life can throw us curveballs. We can break down over time. What we're going to be looking at this series is not just how to be built to last, but how to answer important questions and how to ask other important questions related to this idea of what happens when this life wraps up. And so big picture, here's some questions I I just want you to think about. Uh, The first, as you can see up here, is what happens to each of us when we've taken our last breath in this life? We want guarantees, but we know life's no guarantee. But what happens to us, which brings the next question, what happens to us when we die? We're all going to face that. We're all going to face death. What, What happens to us when we die? The reason I bring that up is what we see as coming after this life impacts our life right now. So what we think is going to happen after we die actually impacts our choices. And it brings up things like like eternity. How does eternity and what happens after here now, how, how does that actually impact us? And so this idea of eternity and what happens in this life, that's what we're going to be using as the backdrop of this series Because ultimately, all these questions kind of are built on one really important question, an idea, and that's this. Our view of our final destination impacts the way we live and the choices we make. And we're all here, and you you may have a different idea than the person next to you, different idea than your family, than your friends. But our view of our final destination, what happens to us when we die, impacts us here and now. And so we're going to take the time to actually look at that. And more importantly, not just kind of talk about it together, but look at what the Bible has to say. What does the Bible have to say about eternity? And how does that 
impact us today, right now, in my decisions and what I do? And then what does that mean I should focus my time and my efforts and on my relationships? And kind of we're going to just trickle kind of this idea of eternity and where we're headed into how to build the life right now that will last based on that. So these are big questions. We don't talk about this a lot in life in general. We, you know, we don't talk about it, but we think about it. And so it's good to just talk about things that actually impact us. And this is one of those areas where it's so crucial because where we end up really does make a difference. So I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about the different views of kind of our final destination. Uh, That was a movie. Don't recommend it. But Final destination, like what, what are some views? So, so I just kind of brainstormed a few. These, this is not an exhaustive list, but, but here's some things that I just see uh, appeal to us in our culture right now. Uh, the first is the, the you only live once mentality. We actually don't think anything happens after we die. And so you only live once. You try to get the most out of your life and your relationships as you possibly can. Because if this is all there is, then you better spend it on stuff that's going to bring you pleasure, fun, sense of accomplishment. And so you only live once. Make the most of this life. That's very pervasive in our culture. Make the most out of your life. And actually, it's good to make the most out of your life. But there's also some detrimental things that come thinking that what you do in this life doesn't matter because you only live once. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Another view that you see coming from Eastern culture and Eastern religion is is the idea of reincarnation. Like you live life, but then after this life, you, you may come back as something or someone different. And that depends on the kind of life you lived here and now. So it's kind of like maybe a do over. And there's different levels to your reincarnation, depending on the type of person that you were. And so that can motivate you or demotivate you based on where you are in life. We're going to be focused on through this series is what is the Bible's view of what comes next, what comes after this life? Specifically, what's what's God's view on it revealed in the Bible? And it's not just you only live once and it's actually not reincarnation. What you find as you dig into the scriptures uh, thematically in different books of the Bible is that after you have breathed Your last breath here, you're going to enter eternity in one of two places. You're either going to spend eternity with God in heaven or eternity separated from God in hell. And and that's it. You're either in heaven and you're in hell. And we even have kind of this picture. Even people who aren't religious have a picture of like there's something related to heaven with halos. And then there's something related to hell with Satan, and he has like a pitchfork. And I grew up like the cartoons where you had like one on each shoulder. You guys ever seen that? It's like, which one do you listen to? You know, and it's like the pitchfork guy or the halo guy. And we kind of have this vague sense and not sure what, what that means. But in the scripture, heaven and hell are real places. And throughout this series, we're going to be talking about heaven. Uh, but... Heaven, according to the scriptures, is a place that is connected to life on this earth, but it's, it's even better. It's described as, as paradise. It's a 
place with no suffering, with no pain. It's as if everything was meant to be, but even better than what was meant to be. It's, it's perfection. But you only get to go there based on the decisions that you make here and now. And then hell is, is the opposite. In the scriptures, it's described as a place of suffering, of a bottomless pit, of a lake of fire. That's oftentimes when you hear or see imagery of hell, it's connected to fire. Because in the scriptures, they actually describe it as this, this unquenchable fire, a flame that never goes out. And again, our choices in here on this life determine where we end up. So I don't know about you, but as I look at heaven, as I look at hell, there's a part in which this life is connected to that. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. Now, I know this is like a lot of heavy stuff. And you may be thinking like, I got like an assignment due on Tuesday. Or I got to find childcare on Wednesday. And there tends to be just this, like life just keeps going on. Life keeps going on. And it does. But in the backdrop of it, There's this, where are we headed with our life? And then what would happen if our life ended right now? So all this is happening at the same time. And I know that that can be overwhelming. It is for me at times. But I kind of want us to take us just this time over the next few weeks to to look at this and determine what, what does that mean for us in the here and now? I want to kind of start with a, like a big point that's going to be kind of connected throughout the next few weeks, okay? And that is that this life is preparation for forever, okay? Forever, like eternity. This life is preparation for forever. And when I say preparation, I want to kind of distinguish that from destination, okay? Many of us, There's just a part in which we think this life is all we have and there can be a great deal of disappointment. Because we look at the things that we want to happen that's not happened yet. Or we look at things that have happened to us that have caused pain. And we think if this is the destination, if the car is parked and this is my life and I'm not moving, and this is all I ever will have, it leads to a great amount of disappointment. And so that's why sometimes the idea of building something that lasts, if this is the destination, there's nothing else after it, it it seems kind of short-sighted. Like, why does it matter? But what you find in the scriptures again and again is that this life was never the end destination. We're not supposed to just drive up, live our life, live our choices and park, and then wherever we ended is it. It's not like a race where we all like, well, I got, I made it to here. Where are you? Okay. You're back there. And oh man, he's up there. And we just kind of compare and like, well, I did the best I could. So much more than that. And so this life being a preparation forever, I want you to kind of just keep that in your, in your head. Cause that's what we're going to be talking about. How is this life preparing us for forever for what is to come? I want to read through a, a kind of a group of scriptures found in the New Testament, which was written to a church, some, some early Christians that were trying to figure out, like we're figuring out, how do I live life in a way that, that is going to make a difference and that can count, and then something that will last 
So they were looking and trying to figure out the same kind of things that we think about in our own life. Like, am I doing enough? And how do I overcome this problem? And is it all this is? And what do I do with my disappointment? What do I do with my achievements? How do I put it in the right category? How do I think correctly about everything that I'm proud of, everything that I'm ashamed of, and all this stuff that goes on in our minds? And the great thing about the scriptures you find, they're people that we're facing issues that we're facing because we're people. We're created by God. We're the same in the struggles that we have. Culturally, they're different. Time of history is different. But overarching themes in the scriptures just blow me away because I can relate to what people were facing because I faced the same things. So we're going to be looking at this, this, this passage written to people just like us who are trying to figure out how do I live my life with eternity in view, with forever on my mind, how, how, how will that work? So I'm going to read the scriptures and then kind of break it down. So you can see up, up here on the, the screen. Here's this description of how life is preparation for forever. This is Paul speaking. He, he started this church and is describing kind of how to grow and keep perspective. He says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. And it goes on. It says, For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And he goes on again. And he says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And then verse 9 and verse 10. So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So I want to kind of break that down, but I wanted just to, for you to kind of see the context of this whole passage. And this idea of this, this tent is talking about life right now, this preparation, this temporary life that we all ex- are experiencing, and that's what we're living. He's describing it as like this tent, like something that is temporary. It's not this structure that exists forever. A tent, you put, you sleep there, and you pack it in, and it's done. And he's describing life like that. And he's not saying, like, your life doesn't count. It's just a tent. Like, it wasn't a cut. He's just saying, like, in perspective, when looking at eternity, this life is just a little piece of what God is doing. And then he describes in later passages, although it's a little piece, it has tremendous impact. And so there's this, this, this tension there that, that he's wrestling with. And so I want to kind of break this down into in the three main points. Okay? The first is that all of us, we long for eternity. We long for forever. God made each of us in the scriptures. As you go back to the first book in the Bible in Genesis, you find that he made man and woman. And he made them in his image. And he actually made us to experience forever how life was meant to be without sin. When he first made the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, there was no sin. So life was as it was supposed to be. 
with God, not separated, no sin, no problems, no pain. And ever since then, even though sin has entered the world because of what Adam and Eve did from the beginning, and what each of us have done because of our own sin, we still, because we are created by God, we still long for something more than this life. We long for eternity. If you've ever been disappointed and unsatisfied in something, maybe you were looking forward to something for a really long time. If you've ever just been unsatisfied and you thought like, mm, wasn't what I hoped, that reflects this longing for eternity. My, my son turned eight years old yesterday and we went to Dave and Buster's, which is like a, an adult Chuck E. Cheese. If, you, if you've never been there, it's, it's quite the sight. I had a headache in like the first five minutes because there's so many lights and just crazy people that were getting in my way as I was running the games. You know, just kidding. I was mellow. I was just taking it all in. But what you start is you load like your power card. Your power card. It already setting you up like I have power. And you load like credits onto this power card. And you start off the time and you're like, man, I have all these credits. And I mean, the kids, the kids have all these credits on their power card. And we did this kind of like, set, you know, some of the kids had one card. The other kids have you have to share and they switch off games and they started with like 200 credits. And each game could be like from five credits to like 15 credits, depending on how amazing it is. And you start the time and you just have all these credits and you're just putting the card in and the game starts and after you put the card in, you get the tickets and the tickets are loaded on the card and you go from game to game, experience to experience. And then something starts to happen. You start getting low on credits. And then you start having to figure out, like, can I still play this roller coaster? There's this roller coaster where you lie and you watch the screen and it shakes and it moves and you're like on this virtual thing. Like, it's amazing. But you start realizing, like, the less credits I have, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. And so towards the end, you kind of get, like, I've got to calculate this and you can't do this anymore. And you just get to the point where, like, you have a little credits left, but there's no game that exists that you can get for two credits. So you just have this, like, wasted amount. So then after that, and kind of at this point, like, it's over, then you have the tickets. So now you can buy something. And so then you check and see how many tickets you have. And then based on the amount of tickets, you, like, you can buy something. And what you, could, you know, come to find out is like in everyday life, you could buy a candy bar for like 50 cents, right? Dave and Buster's category is like it costs you like $20 <laughs> if you calculate it according to the credits that you've spent. But it's amazing because you think like there's no reason. I couldn't tell my kids like, hey, you know, I could take you to a grocery store right after this and I will buy you four times as much. I, that's not going to work. Hey, leave your tickets on the card. We'll save them for later. I'll take you. You can get a Tootsie Pop. 50 of them. That can almost last you the whole year if you have one once a week. Like, right? This is, as a dad, you're like, We're, we just paid $40 for a piece of gum. You know? <laughs> And you love it. And you go back. And next year, I'll be back there, probably. But, you know, my kids, like, they had all these tickets and all these credits. And then they leave with, like, one thing. 
And they're so happy about it. But in my, I'm like, that's all you have? I didn't say that. Right? That, like, that really messes kids up. But, like, don't do that. But in my mind, I'm like, that actually is, like, really depressing. How much money and just how little time we had there and it was, it was gone. And that's, that's like what this life is. We long for something more. And we work and we work and we work. And it's like we do something good at work. And it's like we've loaded our car just put the tickets on. And we treat someone right and it's like just put the tickets on. And we kind of go through this thing of we want to earn it. We want to earn it. We want these experiences and everything we have. And we get to the point where we go up and it's just like that's it. It's over. Something that you've looked forward to for so long, a relationship that has been so helpful and it just it's lost its zeal and the thing that you're waiting for and you got to, whether it's something that you really wanted or something that you really hoped for and you get it and it just isn't what you wanted. This life can disappoint. The reason is is because it's not meant to be everything. It's not meant to be all there is. This life is preparation for eternity. And because we're humans created by God, we long for it. We long for something more. And this is what Paul is talking about in the first few few verses. You see in verse 1. We know that the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's encouraging them throughout the difficulties that you face, throughout all the pain, throughout the fact that your life will be taken from you. Whether by just old age or somebody could take it from you. We have something that's not made from human hands. We have this eternal dwelling that God has given us. And then he goes on in, in verse 2. You could put that up there. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. Nakedness in the scripture you find is not just talking about like you're naked or you're not naked. It's actually going back to the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve were first created, they were naked. And there wasn't anything weird about it. There was no sin. There was no shame. They were naked. Then sin happened and they looked and saw their nakedness for the first time. They recognized this is naked and it's not right. And they covered themselves. And God said, why did you cover yourselves? Well, we we found out that we were naked. Why did you know you're naked? She did it. That woman you gave me. And from that point on, the nakedness describes kind of this this earthly ceiling that we experience of satisfaction and contentment. It's, it's not all that we hope for. There's, there's shame involved. There's just this feeling of we're naked. We don't have anything. And he, he's describing like we don't want to be found naked. And then he goes on in verse 4. But while we are still in this tent, in this earth, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Isn't that so interesting? The description of something that is mortal is describing the life that me and you have right now. The life in our bodies. It's our mortal life. However long it is. From the day we're born to the day we die. That's our mortal life. 
And the description in here is, is counterintuitive. He's saying that you have this life and it, it's kind of empty somewhat. And it's not everything that we hoped it would be. And that's because of sin. It's because of the choices that we make. And we continue to make these choices and we continue to experience sin. This continues to give us the emptiness. But then he goes on, he's saying, so what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And he's describing when this life wraps up, for those who follow Christ, your life from now in eternity will now begin. And so that this little life that you've experienced on this earth, this first preparation life, this first experience is going to be swallowed by the life to come. And that is eternal life. And so he's just writing everyone like, I know that, that you, you face some fears, and I know that you face some disappointments, and you face some frustration. And he's writing saying, and I do too. But what we know is that this life will be swallowed up by the life that is to come, that God has prepared for us. And that leads to the next major set of voices. Voices, verses. That leads to the next set of verses. And so I want to kind of go to the next, this next point. So we long for eternity. And then he builds on that. And that is that this life is not the final destination. Earlier I said that life is a preparation. And so if life is a preparation, then it can't be the final destination. And I've talked a little bit about that, but there's a difference between preparation and destination. Destination is you've arrived. If you've ever put in your map to your destination, when you get there, you're like, we're here. Let's get out. We're here. And that's what life is like. Like, we're here. Make the most of it. We're here. But Paul's describing what you find in the scriptures is that it's not the final destination. It's the preparation for what is to come. And that's what he describes in the next set of verses. And you see in, in verse 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing, so he's talking about eternity. Who's preparing us for eternity is God who's given us the spirit as a guarantee. He's saying so many people have opinions on what is going to happen to them when they die. There's so much confusion. People don't really know. You can live just in fear. You can live in apathy. You can live in ignorance. What he's saying is, is no. He who has prepared us for this is God himself, who's given us the spirit as a guarantee. And so right here, Paul's describing what it means to be a Christian. For those who follow Christ and decide to make him the boss of their life, this is the decision that changes eternity. Life is not a destination, but the only way for your perspective to change and the only way for you to actually have preparation for the next life is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way we get the spirit as a guarantee is through Jesus. God sent Jesus Christ to redeem us and to bring us back into his family. Sin has separated us. But we can experience a relationship with God again through Jesus Christ, who paid the price for our sin. 
who died on the cross and rose again, conquering sin and death. So that conquering of sin and of death, that being the end when Jesus rose again on that third day, death was no longer the end. And that's why our mortal life can be swallowed up by the life that is to come, that, that is eternity. So this life's not the destination, it's the preparation for what is to come. And so Paul's saying, like, if this is preparation, then what we do really matters, right? If this is preparing us for what's next, it actually doesn't take away meaning from this life, it adds meaning to this life. It doesn't diminish how we should treat people. It impacts how we should treat people. It doesn't diminish how we spend our money. It impacts how we spend our money because we live our life in the view of eternity, of forever. So what happens when we die impacts here and now. And God has guaranteed that eternity awaits everybody. But you can spend eternity with him as you choose to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about that a little bit as I wrap up. In verse 6, he, he adds to this, this confidence that we can have. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What he's saying there is there's this tension. Because this life is not the final destination... And that is preparation. In this life, there is disappointment, like I've described. There's a sense of dissatisfaction, like I've described. What Paul's saying is, is when you turn to Christ, you don't get a magic key that now all your problems disappear. And this is why he's describing your eternity is guaranteed by God himself. And you will spend the rest of your life with him in heaven. But in this life, you will still need faith and you will still need courage because everything in you longs for the life that is to come. But you're still living the life you have. And this is one of the greatest pictures of what it means to walk with God. You realize that as you face trouble and trial, God will use that. help prepare you more for eternity as you face conflict god will use that to prepare you for what is to come and this preparation this preparation that's happening is, is us learning in our mortal mortal bodies to rely on god moment by moment in situation and in situation we walk by faith not by sight faith knowing that we can obey god And although everything is not going to be perfect, he is going to do right. And even if everything is not just wrapped up nicely in a bow in this life, in the ultimate end, as he wraps up history, he will make things right. He will be just and right and gracious and merciful. And in the meantime, before that happens, we walk by faith. Not by sight, not on what we can see, because we don't know what God's going to do, how he's going to do it. You have to trust him in his timing. That's so frustrating. 
Because we want things to happen right now. It's like, man, if it could just be easier as we face trouble. You know, our finances, they can be messy and it seems like more expenses come in and the money that we have to pay for them. And you have to walk by faith. You trust God, even in your finances. So that's what Paul's saying. So I can learn to rely on him here and now. And that leads to the next point. So we long for eternity, all of us. No matter our view on it, we long for it because that's how God made us. And then what Paul's saying is this is not the final destination. It's preparation. And the last point he makes is what we do matters in the here and now. That's how he wraps it up. If you look at verse nine on the screen. He says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Home or away, okay? It's like home with the Lord or away with the Lord. It's like life on this earth where we're not in eternity with God, it's not complete. So whether we're home or away, so whether we're in this life or we're in eternity with God, our aim will always be to please him. And then he goes on, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so done in the body, that's talking about life here and now or good and evil. We all make choices, good choices, evil choices, choices that please God, choices that don't please God. And throughout the series, we're going to be talking about how to make the choices that are good and pleasing to God. And then what do you do with the choices that you've made that don't please him? Like, What do you do with shame? And what do you do when you look back and you think, God's going to ask me about that? Please no. Anything but that. He's going to remember everything. He's going to have seen it all like there's some fear that can kind of be involved in that. So we're going to to talk about that too. So whether we're here in this life where it's all wrapped up and we're with God, we make it our aim to please him. The reason Paul says that is because God's going to have an evaluation in the end. Where everything that we've done and everything that we've said, he's going to ask us about. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like. I always hoped, and this is me, I always hope like you don't walk up and it's like a big screen and it's just your life and everyone else is watching it. You guys ever thought that? I don't know why. Like I've just sometimes wondered like, what if it's a screen and you walk up and everyone's watching? They're just like, you did that in fifth grade? You know, is that just me? You know, like that's how I've always, I don't know what it's going to look like, but there's going to be this final evaluation. And all of us have to give an account for what we've done, what we've said, what we've thought. So that should make it our aim right now. Like what I do, what I've said, and what I think about, I want to please God. And that brings me to the last point. I'm going to wrap up here. Everything's been kind of been leading to this from what, what Paul's saying. And that is, if this life is a preparation, 
there's really only one way to be prepared. And that is only the relationship with Jesus Christ prepares you and prepares me and everyone on this earth for forever. There's no other preparation that matters. It's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is God's way of redeeming us despite our sin. He sent his son so we can connect back to the eternity that he made us for. And there's a passage in uh, your handout, and I'm going to read it real brief. I'm going to kind of close out with this. And it's in Colossians, and it's kind of talking about how do we think about such things, and how does Jesus fit? And so I want to show this at Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ, this is talking about the moment that you commit your life to Christ, you decide to follow him. You're, you're now raised with Christ. You now have life. That extends beyond this life into eternity because of Jesus. The fact that he was raised from the dead, we can now be raised from eternal judgment of our sin. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. So have a heavenly perspective seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That idea of you have died, they're still living, obviously. He's writing to them. But he's saying that destination mentality, that thought that this is all there is, you only live once, or you have to earn it, or you have to hope, just that the best work, he's saying that all that has died. You can know. You can know that you'll spend eternity with heaven. Why? Because Jesus died and he was raised again. No one has done that. Since he was raised again, if you choose to follow him, you can escape the destination mentality and you can prepare for the next life. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So as our life wraps up, No matter where we are, no matter what we've done, no matter if it's a big screen that's showing and everyone can see, the only thing that counts in the end is that we say, I'm I'm with Jesus. I'm with him. Doesn't matter who your family was. Doesn't matter how successful you were. Doesn't matter the dreams or your ambitions. The only thing that matters is in the end, you can say, I'm, I'm with Jesus. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we're going to stand before God. When you say, I, God, I, I made it my aim to live for you and to please you. And the only thing I have is Jesus. I have nothing else. The only thing I have is Jesus. And as history wraps up and as our life wraps up, that's all that matters in the end. So I want to wrap up. I just encourage you to kind of think about this. Uh, If you've never committed your life to Christ, um, you can actually decide to do that now. You can take 
the only real step that matters for preparation. And that is to turn your life over to Jesus. And so if you're interested in learning what that means, you can make that eternal choice today. And you can mark on your connection card, just send me info about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if everyone could pull out their connection cards, on the back side of the card, you're going to see that on the right-hand side. And so if, if you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, and you don't know exactly what that means, or you'd like more information, we'd like to help you with that decision. And so you can mark that on there. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how does forever, okay, if we're made for forever, how does forever impact uh, key areas? And I just want to briefly talk so you can kind of know where we're headed. So how does forever uh, impact my relationships? We're going to talk about that next week. My decisions on the 29th, my mission in life on the February 5th, my finances, and then how I deal with trouble and pain. So how does forever, the backdrop of what we were made for, how does that impact these areas of life? So I encourage you to think through one of these areas that, that you need maybe some perspective on. And I encourage you, don't just come back for that week because all these will build on each other, but I encourage you to come back and, and kind of learn about what the Bible has to say. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to pray. We're going to receive our offering. If you have prayer requests on your connection card, uh, please write those down. We would love to pray for you. If you'd like more information about our church, you can mark that on the back as well. I'm going to pray. We're going to receive our offering as we sing a song uh, back to God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for Jesus and the fact that we don't have to come up with our solution to forever you you have actually connected our mortal life to your life and eternity through jesus christ and that gives us all we need in the here and now and he gives us all that we need and so god i pray that you'll this week allow us to live by faith and have courage to face the things that we have knowing that this can prepare us for the life that is to come and if there's anyone here that is disillusioned or confused or frustrated that doesn't know you. I pray, God, that you'll draw near to them. And right here and right now, they can decide to follow you. So we pray this in your son's holy name. Amen.